0: And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the La Crosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want this to be that show, but we got to do it today. We have to. I see no other way around it. Happy New Year's. We got to look back at 2018 and some of our favorite sports memories, some of the highlights, and it seems even more appropriate. Uh, This is the Wisco Sports Show, by the way, here on WKTY. For our Wisconsin sports teams, most notably the Packers, a little bit disappointing. The Badgers, a little bit disappointing. And uh, as it has been a little bit since the Brewers, and we uh, the last couple of weeks and months, we've been talking more about the Packers and the Badgers. We've uh, had our fair share of a little bit of a letdown, a little bit of disappointment in the last couple of months. So why don't we look back and we think about and we go over some of the highlights, some of the high moments of 2018, because there are some good ones. I tell you, I was going through them, especially Brewers highlights. Uh, in the minutes coming up to the show, just trying to pick which I wanted to talk about and which we might get to. Man, it got my heart pumping. Got me excited. I'm loving it. And I'm excited to talk about it as well. But before we get to some of our... Favorite memories, favorite moments of 2018, at least some of my favorite. We do have a little bit of news to talk about. The Packers' head coaching search continues to kind of swirl. I, You know, Black Monday, they call it in the NFL, kind of came and went, actually, yesterday. And maybe it got shuffled under the rug just because it was New Year's Eve. But Joe Philbin, still technically the head coach of the Green Bay Packers, um, and his entire staff, Mike McCarthy's staff, I guess minus Winston Moss, still in place. So Black Monday came and went. Today has come and gone. Joe Philbin has not been released, although he isn't technically the head coach, he's just the interim head coach, so I guess they're they're really without an a official head coach, he will interview and get a chance to interview, I think, more of a courtesy than anything else. But the Packers, obviously... The coaching search continues to evolve and continues to move, and and we're getting more names coming down the pipeline, at least officially, right? We always had some names to speculate on and to think about, but now we actually have some names and some data uh, and some things to go off of, like interviews being scheduled, uh, permission to interview being requested, and statements from actual potential coaching candidates, so I want to start with that today, and once we get through that, I do want to get to our favorite memories of 2018, some highlights, uh, some really cool moments from the Brewers, the Packers, Uh, and then at the end, to close the show today, I thought it would be fun if we give out some New Year's resolutions to all Wisconsin sports teams, and I have a couple that I've listed, maybe you have some, uh, something the Packers really need to work on something the Badgers football team really needs to work on. We'll talk about that coming up near the end of the show as we wrap things up. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line is open should you want to chime in about your favorite memories of 2008. Look, if you're not a Brewers fan, highlights might be hard to come by because Badgers football was a letdown. Packers football was a letdown. Badgers basketball is just getting underway, so it's tough to talk about that. But if you have any favorite memories, moments, from this last year. In Wisconsin sports. That's what we're talking about. Uh, coming up. Starting here in a few minutes. First. I did want to pass along. Some news. And some thoughts. About some of these Packers. Head coaching candidates. So we have had a couple of names. Green Bay has requested. To interview. Uh, both. Josh McDaniels. And. The defensive coordinator. For the Patriots. Brian Flores. Now. He's not technically. The defensive coordinator. Because. I guess that falls on Bill Belichick. But he is. Just about everything. Minus the title. The defensive coordinator. So the Packers have uh and requested and are hoping to interview both the coordinators uh, from the Patriots. And I think that makes sense. Why not? Doesn't hurt. Doesn't cost you any more money. Doesn't cost you any anything at all. Doesn't waste time. You're just interviewing guys, getting different sets of opinions, different sets of thoughts. Now, of course, Josh McDaniels kind of left the Colts at the altar last year, and that is still in everyone's mind. Josh McDaniels, in this round of coaching hires, has found himself as one of the front runners. Now, I think Mike McCarthy, just because of his experience, obviously won a Super Bowl, he obviously coached alongside Aaron Rodgers and those two things can't be looked over. He is one established guy outside of maybe Chuck Pagano and Jim Caldwell and Bruce Arians who I don't think wants to leave retirement. Mike McCarthy is the front runner in terms of he could probably pick the job that he wants, right? He's going to have offers from uh Arizona, he already has. He's going to have looks from Cleveland, you bet, and now the Jets laying down the red carpet and want to talk to Mike McCarthy as well. They're really trying to make a pitch. Outside of Mike McCarthy, there isn't a whole lot in terms of established, successful, previous NFL coaches out there. There's guys like Josh McDaniels uh, who have failed as head coaches, and then there's young coordinators and maybe college coaches who teams are going to have to take a flyer on. Josh McDaniels has found himself in this odd position as a guy whose only head coaching experience was a train wreck and last year left the Colts at the altar in an almost unforgivable fashion. They were ready to do the press conference. Two pretty big sins, two pretty big knocks on a potential head coach, and yet he is still one of the front runners. He's found himself in that position of maybe, I don't want to say having the pick of the litter, but having more than one option. Being able to say, well, do I want Green Bay? Do I want Cleveland? It just depends. But Josh McDaniels, for a guy who has no success as a head coach, and also has some baggage in terms of the way he's handled things with coaching hires in the past, has found himself as a front-runner. And I think that's really interesting, and, and that's going to be something to watch down the road, as Josh McDaniels m- probably is going to get requests not only from Green Bay, but coaches or teams like Cleveland, maybe Arizona, maybe New York, although that may be a little tougher sell to stay in the side of the division. there so it just depends. Packers getting the ball rolling, reaching out to Josh McDaniels. Another name, and I don't think this was any surprise, Green Bay actually requested to interview Matt LaFleur, who is the offensive coordinator in Tennessee. Now that might seem a little odd and, and I think it is, uh, but most notably worked under Sean McVay and worked with the Rams last year. And a, a really interesting philosophy and a really interesting character in terms of how he constructs his offense. Now the Rams led the, led the league in scoring offense last year. Remember when Matt LaFleur was there as a coordinator under Sean McVay? This year, it's been a little bit different with the Titans uh, ranked 25th in yardage, 27th in scoring, a little bit different. Now, that some of that is personnel. Some of that is the head coach in which he's working under, although I like Mike Vrabel. I like what they're doing, but they don't exactly possess the firepower that maybe the Rams did last year. This is what he said. So, it, when he explained uh, in February, he explained a little bit of his mentality. This is out of a Bleacher Report article that came out just about 24 hours ago. And you, you're seeing and you're reading pieces and hearing pieces of the statement that maybe would line up well with an Aaron Rodgers-led offense, right? So this is what he had to say, and this is a quote. It is extremely difficult to dink and dunk all the way down the field. The defenses are just too good. If you look at it statistically, the teams that are getting the chunk plays, the explosive plays, those are the teams that are going to produce more yards, more points. Ultimately, the yards don't matter. So you have to score enough points, and I have been fortunate in my career to have been uh, with some really good play callers, starting with Gary Kubiak, then going with Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. And what was at the forefront of all of our minds? How can we create explosive plays? Something that the Packers lack just a little bit this year, right? So that's Matt LaFleur back in February when he was hired and given a bit of a promotion, moving uh, from Sean McVay as a piece of that offensive coordinating staff, as Sean McVay is technically the offensive coordinator, much like Mike McCarthy was, or like Bill Belichick is the DC in in New England. He gets to become a legitimate offensive coordinator when moving to Tennessee, so it, it was a title change and a bit of a promotion, still working in the same role, trying to find those explosive plays. So that was his statement. I think he might be a front-runner at this point for maybe someone that the Packers are really going to try to key in on. It's a lot of speculation because now we have moved from who could the Packers interview, who could the Packers be looking at, to, well, the Packers want to interview this people, these people. They want to talk to McDaniels. They want to talk to LaFleur and Flores. But are are those candidates going to oblige? Are they going to come in for an interview? Are they interested? And that will be the next step probably going on here in the next week or so as we continue to talk here on the Wisco Sports Show. One uh, notable... Piece of news over the last couple of days, we've all talked about the Packers and their possible interest in Pat Fitzgerald, uh, the head coach at Northwestern. Look, I like Pat Fitzgerald because I'm a fan of the Big Ten. I like to see Big Ten uh, teams have success. And I like Pat Fitzgerald because I think he's a, a, a perfect fit in every sense where he is right now in Northwestern. I think he's a perfect fit. One thing that I don't like the possibility about Pat Fitzgerald in Green Bay Pat Fitzgerald works under some constrictions at Northwestern, right? Very difficult academic standards. uh, Very small, not great facilities. I mean, we talked to Zach Heilpern on the show from The Zone. Cover a game in Evanston. Man, it feels like a high school stadium down there. But yet he has energized. And I use that word very deliberately. He is an energizer. He's a guy with a lot of pop, a lot of flash. A players coach that gets guys fired up to play for him. I'm not going to use the word cheerleader because I think that's a little bit disrespectful. I don't think that gives him his due credit. The problem is when you get to the NFL, you can't just be a hype-up guy. You can't just be a pump-up guy and say, I'm going to be the energizer, I'm going to be the face, and I'm going to let my coordinators do the work. Because I don't think that's really going to work in the NFL. If your coordinators, let's say Pat Fitzgerald hires some young flashy coordinators, and they do a great job, well now they're just going to go take jobs elsewhere. They're not going to do the dirty work while Pat Fitzgerald puts on a smiling face and fist bumps on the sideline and gets his guys hyped up. I think it's a little bit different in college, and I think the constraints are a bit different at a school like Northwestern compared to coaching for the Green Bay Packers. Mike Tomlin, I think, is a good example and a good NFL version of Pat Fitzgerald. He's a guy who's very energetic, very good in interviews, very good on the sideline, a player's type of coach who is easily fired up, gets his players and his troops riled up, But then again, there's a very big difference in a cheerleader, which Pat Fitzgerald, some may say. I don't like to use that word, like I said, because I don't think it gives him his full due. But Mike Tomlin has been accused of being just a cheerleader. But then again, he's obviously won Super Bowls, right? He knows how to put a staff together. He knows the details, the ins and outs of winning in the NFL. It's not just about getting the troops fired up. It's about being able to coordinate an offense and work alongside Big Ben, who's a little difficult, and alongside Antonio Brown, who's a little difficult, and Le'Veon Bell, (laughs) almost forgot about him, who might be the most difficult of all? Big difference in a guy like Mike Tomlin and Pat Fitzgerald. I would love if the Steelers fire Mike Tomlin, which I don't think they will. I would love for the Packers to go after Mike Tomlin. I would love it. That would become my number one favorite. Pat Fitzgerald's a little different. Two different playing fields. Pat Fitzgerald perfectly suited for his job in Northwestern. There's a principle called uh, called the Peter Principle, right? That you will be that you will be elevated to your level of incompetence, right? Pat Fitzgerald is perfectly suited for what he is doing at Northwestern. And because of that, because he's having success, people want to elevate him higher. Well, would he make a good NFL coach? I don't think so. And that's where we fall into the trap of that Peter principle, right? That we will elevate coaches and players to the level of incompetence. We will promote them and keep promoting them until they are no longer successful. And I don't think that bodes well for Pat Fitzgerald. And I don't think that bodes well for the Packers. Pat Fitzgerald the other day uh, in his postgame press conference said, hashtag go cats, man. This is my home. I'm not going anywhere. This is my home forever. Uh, Side note, I hate it when people say hashtag when they're talking. I, I just, that's a pet peeve of mine. Besides the point, I think Pat Pat Fitzgerald knows that as well. He is in the perfect situation. He is the perfect coach for where he is now. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he will have success at the next level, or the next level, right? So I don't think it makes sense to just keep promoting people, promoting coaches specifically from college, until they meet their level of incompetence, which maybe would be the situation that Pat Fitzgerald would find himself in in Green Bay. Nonetheless, I'm sure the Packers would still love to have an interview if Fitzgerald would give them the time. So there's your update on a couple of coaches. Uh, We're a couple minutes late. We got to take a break. As the show rolls on here on WKTY, this is the Wisco Sports Show. I want to talk about some of our favorite sports memories from 2018. I know that's corny. I know it's lame, but I'm excited. It's been such a a month or two of disappointment here with the Green Bay Packers and the Badgers, although they did win their bowl. Let's look back a little bit, maybe towards the beginning of Packers season. Hint, hint. We're going to talk a little bit about that week one win over the Bears, and I want to talk about the Brewers as well. That's all coming up here on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Don't go anywhere. More to come here on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. A happy new year. Hope you had a good New Year's Eve last night. And 2019 is treating you well so far. Thanks for tuning in. We're talking and looking back at 2018 and some of the uh, tremendous Wisconsin sports plays and games and wins that made 2018 a fun. And uh, we already are getting some action on the 5 Star Telecom Talk and Text Line and on Twitter as well. You can tweet at the show at WKTY. And you can find me at he stroker grant put out a little bit of a teaser said favorite sports memories go 2018 Packers Brewers Badgers doesn't matter what you got Jonah chimes in and you know what Jonah you read my mind you read my mind Jonah says Packers come back week one versus Chicago after Rogers appears to be done for the year one for the ages Jonah I think because the rest of the season went as it did and it was for the most part a major disappointment That game maybe gets forgotten about a little bit and downplayed a little bit. That was one of the best, craziest football games I've ever watched. Packers, team, or otherwise. It it doesn't matter. And one of the best performances I've seen by any quarterback, Aaron Rodgers or not. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. Share your memory. Share what you loved about 2018. Jonah, let's go relive some of the highlights from that Packers-Bears game. It all got started with maybe the best throw Aaron Rodgers made all year. An absolute bomb to geronimo allison one-on-one coverage rogers dancing throwing for the end zone and it is holding touchdown geronimo allison He beats Kyle Fuller, 39 yards touchdown. I wish I could show you, and obviously this is radio, uh, so we have to work with the highlights and the voice of Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. I wish I could show you, just to remind you exactly where and how that ball was placed. Kyle Fuller was great in coverage. He was perfect coverage. Outstretched hand at the end, tried to deflect that ball away, and the ball was just placed a couple inches in front of his hand right into the the outstretched right arm of uh, of, uh, Geronimo Allison in the back corner of the end zone. It's seriously one of the best throws I've I've ever seen Aaron Rodgers make. And the fact that he did it on a gimpy knee after getting hurt at halftime, we all thought he he was done for the year. I thought he was done for the year. I did. And then to make a throw like that, I think this game and some of these plays are getting swept under the rug and forgotten about now since the Packers have kind of tailed off. Mike McCarthy has been fired. We have bigger fish to fry, but we need to enjoy this game and remember it, and that's kind of why we're going over it. After that, Devontae Adams... Draws a little bit closer, makes it twenty to seventeen. Remember, the Packers down twenty points at halftime. Aaron Rodgers comes back out after getting injured and says, "Hey, let's go. I'm on a gimpy leg. Let's go in the shotgun. Let's go up tempo, and let's go out and win this game." Devontae Adams makes it seventeen to twenty, inching a little closer. Under ten minutes now left in regulation. 19! Up. in the pocket. Steps up, shoots it to Devontae Adams. Adams dives through the end zone. Touchdown! And of course, we need to talk about the details of some of these plays as well. Devontae Adams on that play, it was, it was a yards after the catch. I believe they about on the 11 or the 12-yard line, somewhere about 10 yards from the end zone. Aaron Rodgers, as he's getting hit, flips it out into the flat. Devontae Adams just hooks two defenders in space. And I know we love to talk about Devontae Adams' jump ball capabilities and some of the things he does in terms of his route running, especially around the line of scrimmage. I know I've talked about that at length. Here on the Wisco Sports Show, something he does really well. He plays really well in space. Give him the ball out in the flat as a as in a yards after the catch type of opportunity. He's tremendous. And just an example on that play is he shakes two defenders and beats him to the pylon for the touchdown, twenty to seventeen, inching a little bit closer. And you know, Bears fans have seen this before. They're crapping their pants. Packers fans are crapping their pants because we're st- we still don't know what happened to Aaron Rodgers' knee. And oh by the way, they could get run out of Lambo here in the first game of the year. And the Bears were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the division. Both fan bases are just shaking in their boots right now. And then, of course, the play that we talked about uh, right before the Packers-Bears game uh, later on in the season, and that was Randall Cobb absolutely busting up the seam and ripping the hearts and the souls out of Bears fans like he has time and time and time time again. Rodgers. Surveying. Fires. That's caught. Randall Cobb into Chicago. (laughs) <laughs> Randall Cobb continuing to just do his thing against the Bears and that's what made that catch even more fun too is that it was Randall Cobb. I love Jaron Allison I love Devontae Adams. Randall Cobb in what we kind of assume is his final season in Green Bay, it was really fun to, it was really fun to see that catch. Just as a fan, and I'm speaking as a fan there, it felt cool to see Randall Cobb do that one last time against the Bears as the rest of his season was kind of a, a frustrating, injury riddled well, not a mess, but Definitely a struggle for Randall Cobb. And that game against the Packers, or excuse me, against the Bears, one of by far the best memories. I I think that was by far the best Packers game of the year, which is a little sad because it was week one. I enjoyed the 49ers game, which is almost a mini version of this game. And the Jets game, like I said, almost a mini version of this week one game against the Bears. And it's interesting to go back and put ourselves in the mindset that we were in as Packer fans after that week one game, because it was a Sunday night. We had seen... One week of the NFL, and it was pretty wild. Patrick Mahomes had just exploded onto the scene. All of a sudden, Khalil Mack is worth every penny, and then some that the Bears gave up in terms of picks and in terms of a contract to get him. And we're thinking, man, oh, man, oh, man, what's the NFC North actually going to look like? Because at the time, we had no reason to believe that Aaron Rodgers and this offense was going to struggle down the stretch, and the special teams would collapse, and the defense would be absolutely obliterated by injuries, especially up front in the front seven. And it's interesting to go back and, once again, put ourselves in that mindset of Week 1. Khalil Mack versus Aaron Rodgers in the second half. That Bears defense versus Aaron Rodgers as he willed his team to a win. Really, not just of 2018, but one of the craziest and best performances I've seen from any Packer, not just Aaron Rodgers, in my entire lifetime. And it was a whole lot of fun to watch. So, Jonah, thanks for chiming in on Twitter. You read my mind. We were going there anyways. Uh, And in terms of that, I mean, sorry, when we're looking at Packers' memories this year, that's about it. That game is about it. The 49ers game was fun, but at the same time, that was a game they should have won handsomely. The Jets game was fun, but that was a game they should have won handsomely. Now the time has passed, and we have the luxury of perspective and more knowledge and more experience than we had in Week 1. We look at this Bears team, and we think, Aaron Rodgers did that on a bad knee against that Bears defense? Yeah, I know Khalil Mack was... Not yet, maybe in a perfect football shape, but he still had maybe the best game that a defensive player has had all season long with a strip sack, a pick six. I mean, he was everywhere. And at that game, I that juncture in the game, I was thinking, oh my God, what did the Packers miss out on? What did the Bears trade for that the Packers didn't and what did they miss out on? And Aaron Rodgers did that against that. That Bears defense, that personnel, especially up front. Really special performance and a really cool memory of all of the strife and struggle of the Green Bay Packers in 2018 and the failures and the losses on the road and the special teams gaffes and the injuries and the missing the playoffs. That is one game that we can always look back on. That is one game that isn't going to be tainted by the rest of the 2018 season. And I'm 100% positive of that. That's going to be a cool game and we can look back at that for a long time to come. My thoughts as well. I'd love to get your thoughts. 608-796-2558. The five-star telecom talk and text line. When we come back, I want to move away from the Packers just for a bit. Because to be honest, if we're talking amazing memories from 2018 in Wisconsin sports, we have to look to a different team. We got to look to the Milwaukee Brewers. And by the way, I love talking Brewers and it's been so long since we've had an opportunity to do so. Especially live game action. Real game action. I want to do that next. Coming up next, here on the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. You can always stream live at WKTYsports.com and on our mobile app as well. Talking about some of our favorite Packers memories from 2018 and sadly, Packers fans, there, there weren't a whole lot. Talked about week one against the Bears, that miraculous comeback on the gimpy leg of Aaron Rodgers and something that I forgot to mention that I wanted to, especially because we were talking about that game and about that comeback at length. I've heard a lot of talk mostly by national talking heads, whether it's on ESPN or Fox. I don't hear it a lot from whether sports stations out of Green Bay or out of Milwaukee like Bill Michaels or here on David Scrady. I made a huge deal of this coaching search and why coaching candidates might be turned off of Green Bay because of Aaron Rodgers' massive contract. I talked at length yesterday about how quarterback contracts and their perceived nuisance and their perceived weight on a team is overblown. It's incredibly overblown. It's incredibly overblown. I think if somebody wants to come coaching Green Bay and they want to coach Aaron Rodgers, they're not going to turn that down because of that $33 million price tag. And by the way, look at what Aaron Rodgers did in that week one performance against the Bears. That's what $33 million will get you. I'm not saying it's right to pay Matthew Stafford $27 million or Kirk Cousins $28 million. Or Jimmy G, 27000000 million. I'm not saying that's right. I know that you can give 30 plus million to Aaron Rodgers. I know you can give that to Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. And you're going to get a return on your investment. This whole thing that $30 million for a quarterback completely sinks and burdens the rest of your team is crap. And I'm not buying into it. When your quarterback is good, that is. By, by the way, it will be a burden if your quarterback uh, is trash. If you spend $30 million on a dumpy quarterback. on a On a... C-minus quarterback, like Matt Stafford has played at times. Green Bay Packers there Aaron Rodgers, no. You're going to get a return on your investment. So, let's close the book on the Packers talk. Uh, I do want to talk about the Brewers, because the 2018 season, and this is something that I'm really thankful for, the Wisco Sports Show launched back in August, about, at the beginning, uh, about August 20th. So, for my first month, or, or two, of... Uh, broadcasting as a sports broadcaster here on WKTY, I got the chance to talk about and to have conversations with listeners and guests specifically about this Brewers team, who for the first, for only a handful of times in my lifetime, specifically 2008, 2011, and now 2018, they actually made the playoffs and they made a deep run. So I'm lucky, I'm blessed that in 2018, I got to be a part of that and I got to have that uh, be some of my first topics and first conversations here on WKTY. There were a lot of good memories, not just at the end of the year, uh, but specifically, I want to go back to September because this is one of my favorite Brewers memories from 2018 and maybe you remember this as clearly as I do. I was sitting on my couch I believe it was in early September. Uh, it was either late August or early September. I didn't care to look up the date. It doesn't really matter. The Brewers were playing the San Francisco 40 or 49ers, the San Francisco Giants, right? And, uh, hitting, trying to hit against Madison Baumgartner, uh, who has obviously been an elite arm in this league for a long time. The situation in the sixth inning, the Brewers are down two to one runners on second and first. Third base is empty, and Ryan Braun is at the plate. Now, it's starting to feel like if the Brewers don't score in this inning, it may not happen against Baumgartner. Two outs, two on, and Ryan Braun at the plate. Now, this is what happened, and it got Miller Park stirred up pretty wild. It actually got Craig Council ejected. It got the benches cleared. This is what happened. I'll remember this, and I was fired up. It brought me to my feet in my small little living room. Yeah, There's a base open. It's not the traditional base open at first, but... There is a base open with which to work. And a guy with a command of Baumgartner doesn't fret with the bases loaded. See if he challenges Braun. The 2-0 inside. Heffler trying to hit him there. I mean, there'd be no reason. Ryan Braun stands so far off the plate and he's feeling the same thing and the benches start to pour out here. Nick Hundley gets between Braun and Bumgardner, who's barking back. Brewers are out, Giants are not. So now, think of this as a sports fan, right? Your player, Ryan Braun, I know he's not well-liked around the league, our player is Milwaukee Brewers fans. Hit with a pitch, uh, a little bit unfairly, and a little bit of a contentious at bat, right? It's obvious you don't want to pitch to Ryan Braun. You're comfortable bringing Jonathan Scope to the plate, who is looming in the on-deck circle, and as Brewer fans know, didn't exactly have... A tremendous campaign in 2018 after being traded from Baltimore. Ryan Braun at the plate. He goes down 2-0. And it becomes obvious, and BA and The Rock talk specifically about it. There's a base open. Madison Baumgartner loves his control. He feels comfortable pitching with the bases loaded, especially to Jonathan Scope. He might just end up walking him. But instead of doing that, he hits him on the arm. Ryan Braun stands, as we know, quite a ways off the plate. This gets council fired up. He gets tossed. Then, after getting tossed, comes back out and just got about as fired up as I've ever seen Craig Council. Then the bench coach, Pat Murphy, does the same thing. Doesn't get tossed, but gets mad. Bench is clear. They go sit down. And now, all of a sudden, after you think uh, that everything is done and the fireworks are done, and I say fireworks deliberately, uh, the next play happens. And, oh, my God, was it a sweet piece of justice for the Milwaukee Brewers against the San Francisco Giants when Jonathan Scope stepped up to the plate. After the hitting of Ryan Braun that loaded the bases with two outs, Giants outfield very deep, two outs in the sixth, and Scope launches one left field. It is hooking. It is gone. A grand slam. Ah, uh, hear that. Sounds like justice, Brewers fans. Sounds like justice served up by Jonathan Scope. I don't know why I'm talking like. Don't know why I'm talking like that. That was one of the coolest moments after all the drama, after all the anger and the spit that was sprayed between the umpire, the home plate umpire, and Craig Council, who doesn't really get fired up. That felt good, and it was the one moment when my kids ask me about Jonathan Scope, I will say, "Oh my God, what a." Dumb trade that was, what an awful trade that was. But that moment in September where he hit a knock shot for four runs off Madison Baumgartner after he hit Ryan Braun, oh, baby, was that fun. That's what I'm going to remember. One of the biggest Brewers memories from 2018. Another one, because there are so many, we can't exactly uh, move through these slowly, was, of course, Christian Yelich Hits for the cycle as he gets just about as red hot as I've ever seen any Brewers player for just about as long as I've ever seen any Brewers player. Powered that Brewers offense for the second half of the year, including two cycles. This was the triple from the second cycle against, yes, the same team, the Cincinnati Reds, and Bob Eucher's voice makes it even better. Here it is. Gillets knocks one to the gap in right center. This could be the one. Ah, he's going to be held to a double. Ask and you shall receive. Wow, they're on their feet here. So are we. This is one thing that makes baseball so fun, is because the season is so long, and it helps when your team is good, by the way, because the season is so long, obviously all the way April through fall, however many months that is, you almost have these mini little moments, these mini stretches where you can look at April and a little tear that they went on. Maybe they cooled off. Well, remember that stretch in July where they beat up on the Pirates for three straight games, and you had this home run to remember and this six RBI performance by I don't know whoever Orlando Arcia, some random player. You remember that, and then later on you have the the scope memory and the. the Two-week period where Jelic was hitting for cycles, it felt like just every night. He had two cycles in a span of about two weeks. And then they get hot at the end of the year, and they go on a postseason stretch. And then they play the Rockies, and then they play the Dodgers. It's so many fun little packages, right? So many bundles of memories spaced out through an entire summer. It's not just 16 weeks, right? It's not even just 82 games like it is in the NBA, although the NBA is similar in that respect. It's 162 games, or 160 games, however many it is. And you have all these memories and all these little packages because players get traded, right? Players get brought up and sent down. Players get hot and they get cold. And pitchers go on strikeout tears and on streaks. And it's just so much fun. And that's why baseball is great for memories because we can pick a couple from every year. One from April, one from July. There's memories and there's fun uh, fun things uh, to remember about this Brewers team all the way through 2018. Most specifically, though, my favorite. And it makes it a little sweeter that it came against Cubs fans as well. Let's be honest. The Brewers clinched the division in game 163 against the Cubs which at Wrigley, which just made it feel even sweeter, I'm going to be honest. And Josh Hader, of course, the one to close it out. Everybody on their feet here. Swinging fly ball in the right center. Now, by the way, I am not, as a Brewers fan and as a broadcaster here on WKTY, resting on the laurels of that game, because I'm still mad that they lost in Game 7 against the Dodgers, because I still think that's a series that they absolutely should have won. I'm not taking this as a consolation prize, but today is the day where we're talking about the good memories of 2018. Happy New Year's, everybody who is listening here to the Wisco Sports Show on WKTY, some of the best Brewers moments, some of the best Brewers memories of 2018. Let's hope 2019 is even better for the crew. That's a tall task. We'll see if they're up to it. But that's one thing that I just love about baseball. So many different faces every year. Players moving up. Players moving down. Players getting traded. There's just a lot to remember. And a lot of things to smile about every baseball season. Because it's so long. Right? And there's so much. Well, there's so much content. There's so many games. There's so many storylines. And so many things to follow. And I cannot wait for spring training to get underway, and for this 2019 Brewers Club. Whatever that may look like, if they add or if they trade, whatever it may look like to get underway here in 2019. 608-796-2558. If you got any last-minute memories you want to chime in about 2018, let her have it. It's on the five-star telecom talk and text line. And we're going to keep this talk going into our final segment of the first show of 2019. I didn't even think of that. When we come back and when we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show, I have... uh, I did some... Some deep thought, I did some deep thinking, and some pondering. And I think it would be wonderful uh, if we all sat down, we put our minds together, and we came up with some 2019 resolutions for all of our Wisconsin teams. Now, I have at least one for every team, and I think they're good. I think they're really good, but maybe you have one as well. You can reach me on the 5 Star Telecom Talk text line, and you can do so on Twitter as well, at WKTY or at He Stroker Grant. Remember, if you're listening on that mobile app, uh, the WKTY mobile app, you got it downloaded, you're listening, there's a link right in there. You open up that little toolbar on the side to text or to call the studio. Makes it even easier. You don't have to remember that phone number. Don't have to dial. Just give it a click. Five-star telecom talking text line is open. New Year's resolutions for all of our sports teams as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Happy New Year, everybody. Hope 2019 is off to a good start. Having a good day. We're talking a lot of New Year's. Uh, Most specifically, we spent a lot of the show talking about some of the best moments, highlighting some of the best plays and games from both the Packers and the Brewers' seasons. Now, if you're just tuning in and you missed out on all of that uh, great reminiscing and those great memories, you can find it at WKTYsports.com. We post all our shows. Uh, in podcast form. So you can go back and listen to the entire show. You can skip around and let's listen to bits and pieces that you missed or pieces that you want to hear again. WK2isports.com. Just click on the podcast tab. And I know we're, we're tuning in and out. We're hopping in and out of our cars. Uh, maybe you're listening on the mobile app, but you can't listen for the whole hour. You don't have to miss out on some of the great talk here on the Wisco Sports Show just because you don't have a full hour every night from five to six PM. Go check out the podcast at WK2isports.com. I said before the break, I worked hard and I did some deep thinking, I did some pondering about uh, New Year's resolutions. Now, embarrassingly enough, I don't have any New Year's resolutions for myself because I'm lazy and I don't follow through with things. But, (laughs) for our Wisconsin sports teams, I could come up with plenty of stuff that those teams, uh, that those uh, things that these teams could work on and could uh, get better on in the 2019 year as we have now started uh, and the New Year's is underway. Uh, New Year's resolutions, let's uh, let's start with the Packers, shall we? I know we've talked about uh, the Packers enough today and how it was kind of a letdown season and how it was disappointing. I have one thing for the Packers moving forward. I think it's especially pertinent um, with what the Bears have done in the last couple of years, or last year especially. Combine that with Aaron Rodgers' age and his injuries piling up, let's be honest. My number one New Year's resolution for the Green Bay Packers And this is a joke and and an expression that I use with my roommates all the time. Do not live scared. Just don't live scared. Don't be afraid. You got a couple years left with Aaron Rodgers. You have a base of a couple nice talented players on defense. Not a lot, but a couple. Something to build around. And you like a lot of your players on offense as well. You need to have a good draft. You need to have a good free agency period. Maybe make a trade or two. Do not live scared. You want a number one example of why you cannot live scared? Look at what the Bears did last year. They said you want two first round picks fine because we want Khalil Mack and we want them more than the Packers because it will help improve our defense and it'll put us over the top and that looks to be the case and for years and years and years. We have now heard that the Packers can't make a play for a high level top five top 10 defensive player because of the contract of Aaron Rodgers. I'm so sick of hearing about that because if that is the case and these Packers writers and radio hosts and media members around the state and around the country who have lectured Packer fans, of which I consider myself a big one, right? Have lectured us fans. Well, you can't get Khalil Mack because of Aaron Rodgers' contract, so just stop complaining about it. I will complain, and I will piss and moan, because the Packers had a chance to get a game-changing player, a franchise-altering player in Khalil Mack, and they didn't do it, and they missed out. And if you, what you're telling me is true, and I'm referring to... Members of the Packer media, we talked about this yesterday, who believe that they are smarter and wiser than the average fan and that their opinion means more. If what you're suggesting is the Packers will never be able to afford a top-line starter on defense because of Aaron Rodgers' contract, well, then why are we even playing the games? Why are we even talking about it? I guess Packers can't get anybody good on defense. I guess it's every Packers fans, I guess it's, it's just out of the question. Because they're paying Aaron Rodgers 13% of the cap, they can't get one other good player like Khalil Mack. I don't buy into that crap. Don't live scared. Packers can't live scared in 2018, or excuse me, 2019 and beyond. Otherwise, they will float in mediocrity in the middle of the division and be surpassed by the Bears and the Lions. Heck, or not the Lions, and the Vikings. And let's not count out the Lions either. You never know. I'm not super high on them, but you never know. I didn't think that the Bears were going to be this good this year either. Packers, don't live scared. 2019 revolution. Uh, Resolution, not revolution. Brewers, almost the opposite. Do not cave to outside pressure and criticism. Now, David Stearns and Craig Council uh, the way that they've managed this team has been a little bit unique. They have not dealt out money to go and get frontline starting pitchers uh, like Chatwood, like Darvish, like Arrieta, uh like Lance Lynn. They didn't do it. And at the time, I wasn't a fan. Now, with the gift of perspective, and with more knowledge and experience of last year's uh, MLB season, we know that those were good non-moves that the Brewers made. But now we hear the conversation, Brewers need that starter. They need to go get that starter. David Stearns, Craig Council, your 2019 New Year's resolution. Don't cave to outside pressure. Don't cave to criticism, right? Nobody liked the way that Craig Council was managing that bullpen and that starting rotation. Nobody liked it. And they should have won the World Series. It was not the fault of that style of management. Not won the World Series, excuse me. Gone to the World Series. It was not the fault of Craig Council and his bullpen management and pitching management that didn't allow them to get there. Their offense went cold. Brewers are, are doing something that is working, and they're saving money by not overspending on one of the most overhyped products in all of sports, and that is the front-line starting pitcher, the ace, right? The ace. One of the most expensive pieces in any sport. And the Brewers are just saying, we'll wait. We'll wait until we have exactly the guy that we want at exactly the price that we can deal with, and until then, we're going to rotate guys through like Wade Miley or like Yoli Shasin or Brent Suter, and we're going to really stack up our bullpen with uh, tough, young, talented arms, and that's going to save us money, and we're going to wait because we're not just going to do it to do it, which is what the rest of the MLB and the media and the writers seem to suggest. Brewers, don't cave to outside pressure. Don't cave, uh, cave to criticism, and you'll be fine. Keep doing what you're doing and wait and pick for your spot like Stearns and Council have been doing. Badgers football. This is easy. 2019, your New Year's resolution. Decide on your quarterback. Develop him. That is all. (laughs) That's literally it. Just get your quarterback this spring, whether that's Mertz, whether that's Cohen, whether that's Hornybrook. although I don't love that, whether it's some sort of two quarterback system between Mertz and Cohen to work Mertz in. Mertz is the guy. If Mertz doesn't work out, I lose all faith in this Wisconsin staff to find a good quarterback because it's been year after year after year. Of non-athletic guys who throw interceptions. Who turn the ball over. And don't make plays to help the team win. Only thing the Badgers have to do in 2019. The only resolution that they have. Find your quarterback. Develop him. That is all. <laughs> That's it. That's all you have to do. It's actually pretty easy. Uh, it's only one thing. Badgers basketball. This is something that drives me up the wall. And one for both of our Badgers resolutions here. Badgers basketball is pretty simple. Get better at free throws. That's it. You're going to win a lot more games just by making more free throws. If you remember under Bo Ryan in 2015, when this team went to -to back-to-back Final Fours, they had guys like Trayvon Jackson, who shot like 87 to 90% of the free throw line. Frank Kaminsky, who shot 90% of the free throw line. Bronson Koenig, I'm not sure he ever missed a free throw in his time at Wisconsin. Duye Dukin, hit free throws. Josh Gosser, Zach Showalter, those role players who knew their role, hit their free throws. Sam Decker is a little bit of an anomaly. He's a little bit different, but still wasn't awful. They have guys on this team right now. I don't know if it's mental. Ethan Happ is one thing. But since since when can't Brad Davidson hit free throws? When did that become a thing? Or Demetri Trice struggling from the free throw line. When the hell did that become a thing? 2019 resolution. Badger basketball, get better at your free throws. And I know that's such a dad thing to say. That's such an armchair basketball player thing to say. But that's the truth. They're free. They're 14-foot jumpers. Make them. They are free throws. Free points. 2019 resolution. Make your free throws. Bucks. This is a little different. And, and I am starting to formulate my Bucks take. The more and more that we watch the NBA this year. Especially the Western Conference. Because I think the Eastern Conference is shaking out uh, kind of like we thought. We thought... The Raptors would be really good. They still have the deepest team in the NBA, in my opinion, with tremendous role players. They just upgraded their frontline player. They went from DeMar DeRozan to Kawhi Leonard, and that has made a world of difference. The Celtics have regressed a little bit now that Gordon Hayward has become back, but they're still not awful. I still expect them to be there in the spring. The Sixers are good. Ben Simmons is struggling a little bit. I didn't expect the, the Sixers to be world beaters by any stretch. And then there's there's the Bucks, who currently lead the Eastern Conference. Pacers are the same. They're what I thought. There's nothing for me, and this has been the case since the beginning of the year, like 10 games in, this was my take. There's nothing stopping this Bucks team from making the NBA Finals. I mean it. I think they can beat the Celtics in a seven-game series. They haven't lost to the Raptors yet. And I think they can beat the Sixers as well. I think they can tango, and they can take down any team in the Eastern Conference. I love what the Bucs are doing right now. Now, what has changed in the last two weeks is, I don't know when you look at the Western Conference that this is going to be a, a a Warriors versus the field type of year. I just don't. I don't think it's going to be the Warriors are just going to get the chance to whoop up on whatever Eastern Conference team they play. I don't think that's the case. The more that I watch this Warriors team. Look, I know Klay Thompson has struggled and there have been injuries. Draymond Green's not the same player he was when they were rattling off title after title after title. They have been relying on KD to win them games, and that's worked at times. And now you're telling me that the saving grace is going to be inviting DeMarcus Cousins into a system and into a team that has won title after title after title here in the last five years? You're inviting that dynamo, that fire keg, that powder keg back into this lineup, and that's going to be the saving grace? I don't know. Rockets, James Harden is brilliant, but they don't appear to be the team they were last year. Lakers, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think they're better than most people give them credit for. The Nuggets are good, but the Bucks have shown the ability to hang and beat them. The Jazz have stepped back. I don't think there is a runaway favorite right now in the NBA. If you got to bet money, you probably put it on the Warriors. Bucks, your 2019 New Year's resolution. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay healthy. Stay smart. Maybe make another trade to help. And go win the whole blank thing. You know the line for Major League. Go win it all. Why not? Why not? There's not a team right now in the Eastern Conference that scares me. I think Toronto's really good. I think Boston's good. Sixers are good. I think the Bucs are just as good as all those teams and could beat them in a playoff series, which is the great equalizer. I think the Bucs, as crazy as this sounds, I think the Bucs could hang with the Warriors in a seven-game series. I'm not saying they'd be favored. I'm not saying I'd pick them or bet money on them. But I think the NBA is as wide open right now as it has been in the last four years. Bucks, go get it. That's your 2019 resolution. And I can't wait to watch the rest of this Bucs season. I'm excited. Let's go. 2019 is going to be a good year. Those are your resolutions for your Wisconsin sports teams. When we come back tomorrow, uh, we got to talk a little college football. A lot of bowl games going on with a lot of Big Ten and Wisconsin ramifications. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll continue to talk about this Packers coaching search. We got some chatter on the five-star telecom talking text line today about the coaching search that unfortunately we couldn't get to. So I want to get back into that tomorrow. Hopefully, we can talk to one of our boys from The Zone coming up later this week to talk about and kind of put a capstone on the Badgers football season. A whole lot of fun stuff. I can't wait. 2019 is going to be awesome. This week is going to be awesome. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope to have you back the rest of the week. This has been the Wisco Sports Show with me, your host, Grant Bills. Cannot wait to talk to you tomorrow.